Welcome to The Rot Focus, a podcast for rotters, newbies, and veterans, and everyone in between. We're hosted by M.A. Lee with the assistance of Remy Black and Edie Rooms, all from Rotters Inc. Books. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Each episode lasts as long as it takes to fix a quick dinner, grab a short commute, or take a brisk walk. Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therockfocus.blogspot.com. Now, on to this week's episode. Team Roles For writers, teams offer greater opportunities than a single protagonist or antagonist. We are not limited to one character's perspective throughout the novel. We can have two who alternate, are a group of characters whose diverse perspectives open a wider opportunity for conflict and tension. Writers can have a lot of fun with teams. Watch any film or read any book using a team, however, and we quickly discover that one member of the team will take predominance as the primary perspective character. Even when we attempt to have each member of the group receive equal time and focus, we quickly discover one character stepping to the fore. Although this may occur, don't let that prevent you from building a book and a series around a team. We can follow a single protagonist and a static team through a series or have a single protagonist with a changing team or have alternate team members service the protagonist in different books of the series. Teams give options. Group and team have the same basic definition. A team adds that one, the cluster of people, two, are working together, three, for a particular reason, four, to achieve a goal. Five, each member of the team will have a specific role to perform. Six, whether the character chosen has a specific skill set or fulfills a specific purpose for the team. The following provides information about well-functioning teams. Tilt your head sideways for ideas about how easily teams can fall into dark problems while battling evil antagonists. Here's the basics on teams. Teams require three or more people. While teams can be more than ten, the film The Dirty Dozen actually had 14 members of the final team, including Lee Marvin's character and the military policeman who is added. Those extra members create inefficiency. The benefit of larger teams is the built-in redundancies. Two people with the same skill set means that the task will be finished no matter the obstacles. On the battlefield, the redundancies create security in mission completion. In the workplace, the redundancies create slackers. When the primary drives are survival, shelter, safety, food, and procreation. Teams increase the chances of living beyond the immediate so that plans for the rapidly advancing future can be implemented. Primitive man quickly discovered the benefits of different skill sets and skill levels. Hunter-gatherer culture brought the strengths of all to the benefit of the group. While one person easily snares small animals like rabbits and squirrels, larger game like deer can be hunted by a group of two. The classic illustration of a mammoth hunt shows several people involved. The mammoth did more than fill the group's bellies for the immediate future. 
While the meat could be dried for long-term sustenance, the whole animal was also used to provide necessities for survival. Team defense ensured the safety of people and supplies from predators and rival groups. Flow explored the variables affecting the size of working groups, while Science and Google places efficient team size at seven plus or minus three. Cyrus Malabi for Flow states the best team is 4.6 people. Three members in a team can work efficiently. Diminished size means fewer brainstormed ideas and a larger work share. Malabi cites several variables that affect a team's function within their stated purpose. A clear understanding of goal. Members need a clear understanding of the goal, the reasons behind it, the strategies planned to overcome it, as well as a willingness to rethink those strategies and the connection of the goal to the larger mission of the company, the nation, or the institution. Varied skill sets are another variable. Knowing the strategies necessary to achieve the goal helps with selecting team members, members who can serve double duty by having more than one skill set, improve the team's results. A third variable, leadership and team assignments. The leader has to be willing to take the reins, assign tasks based on skill sets, ensure that members are working toward the goal, and reassign or remove people who will not function with the team. Communication. While talking can be inefficient, collaboration requires communication. More members automatically offer more brainstorming opportunities, more ideas for approaching the problem and solution, and more background information when discussing decisions. Another variable is empathy, which is actually discussed as collective intelligence. In a functioning team, the collective intelligence will be higher than any individual's intelligence quotient. Insensitivity by a team member creates conflict that will stress a team's capacity to accomplish the goal. The last variable is relationships. The more teams work together, the more smoothly the teams will function. Time creates the oil that makes teams efficient. Constantly shifting teams prevents the members from understanding the other's strengths and weaknesses, key elements in accomplishing a goal. Encouragement by others helps individuals facing difficulties. Team members. The first leadership types discussed back in the four primary leaders can function as an effective team, each fulfilling the personality's purpose. Team role leader, the goal setter, the alpha. Negative form is the alpha dog, remember, and Jung called that hero archetype the ruler. Second was a follower, who fulfills is a beta positive form, mutineer as a negative form, and a seeker as an archetype. Third team role, advocate, whose role is as a questioner, gamma in the positive form, nihilist in the negative form, and Jung called that the destroyer. And finally, the fourth team role is unifier, a quick definition, conflict resolver. Positive form is the delta. The negative form is the wuss. And Jung called that the protector. The idea of four-person teams, curiously enough, is echoed in art techniques, 
most obviously in the ancient Chinese practice of ink painting. Any group, whether four people or eight or a dozen or more, will fall into these same groupings, a truth of life echoed in art. The first brush stroke is the leader, the key. It starts the work. All else builds around this opening stroke, therefore it sets the orientation of all other groupings. Qing, the following stroke, supports and reinforces the leader's intentions. The third brush stroke is always in the opposing direction from the leader. Chuan introduces variation and diversity to the painting's construction, and the questioning advocate functions in the same role in a team. The unifying stroke that brings the first three into harmony, leading to both Qi and Chuan, is Ho. The unifier brings the team members into agreement by finding common ground upon which to build a consensus. Writers can expand the size of teams, as they did in the Dirty Dozen, by mixing both positive and negative attributes, as well as adding in saboteurs. Team Members in Conflict When team members naturally fulfill those roles or choose to fulfill them, the team works as a cohesive unit. Stresses on the team from outside forces cause backup conflict behaviors. When the team is chosen randomly, Fulfilling an assigned role becomes more difficult with the application of the outside stressors. Small teams can fall into the same disagreements that larger teams, more than 10, will have. Large teams have a tendency to break into smaller clusters. If the smaller clusters are not assigned, then the group within the team will be formed based on friendships rather than competencies. Any groups over six will allow slackers to slide and introverts to hide. Personality conflicts can destroy a team faster than any outside force. Once the team loses its role and becomes merely a group of people sharing a similar circumstance, the members find it much easier to fall away and pursue individual goals. Teams cannot function when members hold extreme positions. Leaders or alphas may set the goal but they will only incite rebellion if they force people to follow their plans through coercion. Followers, betas, who are only yes-sir sycophants, do not really support the leader. They are only attempting to maintain their own position. True followers will seek out dissatisfaction in the other members, then use logic and emotion to win them to the leader's position. Questions by advocates or gammas of insecure leaders will make the leader think they are dissenting. Good questions ask for details, for guarantees that the solution will be achieved, and for other solutions prepped and ready when the first isn't viable, for rarely is the first attempt viable. Questioning by underlings often receive frowns and growls from leaders, but they are more helpful to the team than the sycophants ever will be. The unifier or delta will attempt to build a consensus only as long as the other members make an honest effort to achieve compromise. This harmony makes the unifier ache. When the wheels are only spinning, they will abandon the entire project to seek their own independent goals. Inherent conflict reactions, unexpected in demanding situations, can throw a cohesive unit into chaos. Most people learn to be conflict-averse in group situations. Teams cannot afford to ignore conflict. Writers, of course, thrive on placing people in conflict. 
knowing the diverse reactions of team members in traumatic situations, builds fair similitude for the readers. Natural ruling alphas tend to control the circumstances around them. Conflict triggers a need to control much more than themselves, and they quickly become tyrannical. Tense situations can be diffused by providing them practical options that will quickly see results. Probabilities that don't look viable, however, will only anger alphas further. When leaders of a team are constrained by circumstances or higher authorities imposing actions that they disagree with, they will usually become even more controlling of their team. Leaders look for what to do to solve the problem. When alphas leap to take charge, they believe that the others who have not reached for the head position are, one, not interested in problem or solution, or, two, not able to manage the situation. Vedas will retreat into avoidance when conflict escalates. They may shut down entirely or turn their backs and pretend the problem is not there. Pushed hard enough, however, they will explode. This is the reason that Vedas mutiny. They have repeatedly avoided the conflict. When it continues, they seek to end it. To know a beta character is in avoidance, not responding in discussions, not answering emails or texts, does not mean that they have agreed, merely that they are waiting for the situation to pass, to resolve without their input, or to reach a critical state where only an eruption can remove it. Betas look for how to complete the problem's solution. The most introverted of these four, betas in a team will follow the leader's wishes because rebellion leads to greater interaction with others. Advocates, the gamma destroyers, do not thrive on conflict. While they handle stressors by attacking the problem, they function best when the entire unit works together to remove the cause. To them, collaboration means that everyone is working together, equal weight pulling against the conflict to end it efficiently and completely. If the conflict is not removed or only partially removed, they will view that the team's expended effort and their input are not worth the consumed resources of time, money, strength, etc., and leave the team. Gammas need to know who has solved the problem so they know the solution will work. A gamma only operates with a team in order to complete a task more quickly and with less effort. While appearing to agree with solutions to any conflict, deltas will seek to undermine and go around the conflict whenever they do not approve of the solution. They may attempt to build a consensus outside the main team's strategy. If a secondary team cannot be developed, the unifier delta may resort to passive-aggressive behavior, seemingly agreeable, yet waiting for a moment to seek revenge. That moment may not come for hours, days, even weeks, long after the conflict has ended, yet it will come. To prevent the passive-aggressive behavior from developing, any team leader needs to assure the Deltas that their opinion matters and is respected. Knowing the why of the problem and solution will help Deltas keep the group working toward the solution. When Deltas are in dysfunction, burned by too many people, or traumatized by horrific circumstances, they will only work with a group to get along. Cooperation is only acceptable because that makes life easier for themselves. Team members can mask their true motivations. 
the Savitur or Gamma is more expected than a Beta or Delta. A hidden Alpha can more easily undermine the team's leader that can tap the insecurities of the other members to achieve dissolution of the team. Leadership Styles Bad leaders can destroy good teams. Great leaders can inspire teams far beyond their individual goals. Three management styles can affect the performance of a team. All three have benefits and detriments. The first style is autocratic. This is the leader in total charge, assigning roles, goals, and strategies. There are two benefits to this. It's quick, and there's an efficient allocation of members and resources. The detriment is a dictatorial style and a leader who needs constant face time and feedback with the other members. The second leadership style is laissez-faire. The leader is hands-off and has a minimal role in daily tasks and supervision. The benefit is the team feels independent and has ownership of task and goal. The detriment is that members must be highly self-disciplined to continue at the goal, and some may feel directionless. The final leadership style is participative, sometimes called democratic. The leader guides the team with goals and strategies and in determining individual assignments. The benefit is the team collaborates on major decisions and the leader is open to opinions and alternative opportunities. This, however, takes extra time for the team to decide how they will progress and it requires constructive criticisms to advance. When outside forces draw together people with different skill sets and determine both goal and primary strategies, as in military sorties with teams that have a constantly shifting membership, then the leader has flexibility in management style. Team roles. Here is something called the skeleton, a quick look at the 10-person team. With smaller teams, individuals can assume more than one role. In many ways, the skeleton is similar to the character classification section. First, the mind, goal setter, task delegator. Very efficient. The benefit, they want to turn new ideas into workable practicalities. The mind is a true leader. Second, brain, the calculator. They need systems. They critique new ideas for their viability and they match the new to the tried and true. The eyes of the team is visionary and they're filled with creativity. This is the independent thinker who twists traditions into a new mold. The mouth is the very dramatic role member. They like excitement. They motivate through outgoing behavior and unplanned events. Fifth is the heart, the believer. They have faith in the team or the goal. The heart believes new ideas or strategies and they encourage others and promote changes for the better. Sixth, gut. This is the perceptive team member who goes based on hunches. They may not have a logical reason, but those hunches are often right. Hands, that's the expert, and they go based on strategies. They're very task-oriented, and they work with confidence, especially when paired with an equal. Number eight, the arms, the embracer, and they want harmony in the group. They're very trustworthy, and they offer open-minded fairness to other team members. 
Nine Legs, the explorer, the one with lots of curiosity. They want to investigate the new and the improvised ode to fit the new. Last of all in the skeleton is feet. This is the challenger. This is the person with ambition. They drive other members to improve and perform to the best of their abilities. Teams should have members at both ends of the following spectrums, oriented toward task or people, focused inward and outward, protective of self and of others. They think in images or in manipulatives, items, and they communicate with words and with actions. These are inherent the spectrum, meaning that people emerge from the womb on one side or the other. With age, most people gravitate to the center of the spectrum. Peck versus Pack. Both Peck laws and Pack laws are hierarchies motivated by two factors, survival and procreation. Survival is determined by access to food, shelter, and safety from predators. Survival is also influenced by control of established territory. As with any primitive group law, the dominant male and female eat first. Dominance and submission are inherent traits. Some animals are born more aggressive than others. Procreation is often controlled by the dominant males. These males will establish a dominant female, although they do not restrict themselves to that female alone. The female rules over even subordinates to the top male. Pain establishes the dominance. Whether feathered or furred, the least animal is the scapegoat, often receiving blame for something that it didn't do. Peck. Our reptile brains influence the groups of which we are members, whether we choose those groups or not. While dominance in human groups can be inherited, in most animal groups, it must be fought over daily. Pecking order is based on a dominant hierarchy determined by aggression, strength, and speed. Top chickens rule the roost, cock of the walk down to the scapegoat hen. The order is never permanently established, but is in constant shift, roosters to roosters, hens to hens, and top hens to lower roosters. The lead roosters and hens have subordinates who cling and help maintain the pecking order. These subordinates are motivated by fear. They are too weak to survive on their own, and an expectation to rise to dominance when the top fowl loses position. Subordinates might gang up on a leader, either through subterfuge or outright attack. Roosters that are on the lower rungs of the hierarchy crow less and mate rarely. The lowest chicken in the poultry yard is often bullied by all the others with no recourse except to run and hide. Averting the eyes, looking downward, is usually not enough to prevent an attack. A fowl that has run afoul, no pun intended, this is where the term probably originated. A fowl that has run afoul will be attacked by many of the birds at once. Bird beaks are sharp and the birds are relentless in their punishment of this lesser. Injuries result and death may occur. The cause of the attack may be sickness, and the other birds attack to protect the health of the entire flock. The worst school environments allow students to function through the pecking order. Most classrooms are true chicken coops with covert, 
and unfortunately sometimes overt bullying. While teachers assign students to groups or even allow self-selection of groups, unless teaching of cooperative group roles occurs, then learning is a matter of who found the answer followed by let's copy that answer. Let me talk a little bit about self-selection. Self-selection means that students pick their own groups. This means that most students will pick their friends. In a classroom of 32 students with eight groups of four, the pecking order is based on popularity, usually through socioeconomic demographics such as wealth, best car in the student parking lot, or athletics, best player on the soccer team. In classrooms with highly motivated students, the group selection is based on intelligence. Teachers should disrupt any self-selection by students by constantly shifting groups in membership and size. Watching students self-select can be eye-opening, for it allows teachers to spot immediately those students on the fringes. Teachers can then intervene and prevent bullying by promoting work alliances. Pack. Wolfpack law is similar in determination and motivation to the bird reptilian bullying peck law, but wolves are structured slightly differently. Primitive humans likely saw wolf packs bringing down large game and adapted the structure to help support their own groups. Wolf units are usually family structures with alpha male and female the breeding pair. Only if the territory has plenty of game and has no stresses from weather Will the pack have additional breeding pairs? Beta wolves, whether male or female, can move into the alpha position if something happens to an alpha. The breeding pair are the leaders in the hunt around the camp. The entire pack participates in raising the leader's pups. The rest of the pack are usually adolescent wolves, the pups, and the scapegoat called an omega. Lowest in the pack, the omega lives on the fringes. It will eat last and be bullied by the others, including the pups. Wolves do leave the pack. When they reach sexual maturity, many leave to find a breeding mate and thus start a pack of their own. Called dispersers, they venture into unclaimed territory. The howls of this lone wolf are lifted to the night sky to attract a potential mate. The Right Focus is currently in the series all about characters, from building and presenting a character to relationships, leadership styles, team roles, and special touches for characters. Avoid creating characters who are stereotypes. Reveal their public and private interiors. Focus on couples, mentors, enemies, and much, much more. The information comes from M.A. Lee's guidebook, Discovering Characters, part of the Discovering series on the writing craft. Link to the guidebooks are in the show notes. Thanks for listening to The Right Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by M.A. Lee from Writers, Inc. Books, assisted by Renee Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity 
process, craft, and tools. Music is licensed through Audio Jungle called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at therightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at winkbooks at aol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends or write a review. We're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps, and you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, right on.